Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to Breakfast with Boz, being served by Wahoo. I'm your host, Ian Boswell, in the kitchen this morning, making some breakfast burritos. We had a few tortillas that need to be used, a little leftover bacon. Our chickens continue to crank out eggs, so we've been trying to find every possible way to eat eggs. And Gretchen just whipped up a little salsa verde. We had a little mess it looks like in here, Gretchen, but uh, we have quite a few green tomatoes still left in the fridge that we had to pull the plants because it has frosted several times. Gretchen, what'd you put in? Well, I had a little sample. It's kind of spicy. And we're, uh, um, we had a few uh, jalapenos, so I threw those in there. Um, those weren't in the recipe, but it also called for garlic, a pepper. I did green tomatoes. Um... Gosh, what else? Some green onions, a little lemon juice, salt, capers. Gosh, yeah, I don't, it's the first time I've made this, so it's a new one. Parsley, salt, pickles, which is sort of strange, but a lot of things from our garden, so just using it up and yeah, gonna try it on our breakfast burrito this morning. Breakfast burritos it is, and coming up, another episode of Breakfast with Boz being served by Wahoo. I hope you're all ready for another great show. In the episode today, I am joined by Sarah Sturm, who features in the latest Wahoo Frontiers film. That film can be found over at Wahoo's YouTube channel. I highly recommend checking it out once you have finished listening to this podcast. Sarah is someone I always enjoy speaking to. I have still never met her in person. She's been on the podcast before, and I always walk away from our conversations feeling energized, positive, and a little bit giggly. So I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Sarah and I discuss the film, a little bit of the behind the scenes of the process of filming it, but the core of our conversation revolves around Sarah's desire to mentor the next generation of cyclists, to find the finish line that continually eludes us, and connecting with people on the bike So before we dive into my conversation this week with Sarah, I'm going to play a short clip from the latest Wahoo Frontiers film, and then my conversation with Sarah Sturm. There's a lot of different ways to pick apart cycling um, and be the best, and I think you have to decide like what the best means to you before you pick a path. Um, Because if the best is a world champion, then that is a really different path than being the best you know, mentor and athlete and designer, you know, that's a much different route. Um, And so once I define that and once like young people can figure out (laughs) like which way they want to go, hopefully more start choosing the multifaceted realm and seeing that you can make a career out of being a really decent bike racer, but also do all these other things. um, I think that's going to be really exciting to see like what these young people do with this world. Hopefully they clean it up. (laughs) For the second time in 2020, I am being joined by Sarah Sturm. Sarah, thank you once again for coming back on the show. I am stoked. (laughs) Well, I have recently watched the new Wahoo Frontiers film featuring you. And yeah, and well, first off, you live in a beautiful part of the world (laughs) and it's a beautiful time of year. So it's... Yeah, cinematography, is that the correct word? <laughs> is it's gorgeous. Wow. The I forget about how big the mountains are out west. Yeah. The southwest is a magical place, that's for sure. The high desert, 
and like the high alpine is it's pretty cool it's cool it's all within driving distance for us here yeah that's one thing one thing i miss about the west coast and while there is beautiful shots in this film it is a very a very powerful film and kind of really shows us the viewer and myself you know we've we've spoken a couple times but we've never actually met and i know about you and i've read <laughs> about you but it really kind of allows you know, fans and and people who who watch the video to really get to know you and know why you do what you do. And you start off the film by saying that all we have in the world is the the connection to the people around us. And you can mm. see that in the film that you're you you're so easygoing, you're always laughing, and the people around you only have good things to say about you. Is that Aww. something that you feel? <laughs> Aww, man, that sounds that sounds like a nice person. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny yeah i don't know i mean you have a frontiers episode as well it's funny to like see yourself through like the eyes of like you know the i mean true artists who put that together and like it, it's just like a funny lens in on your life you're like oh wow that is kind of cool oh wow that is you know that is worth it all this like work and all the things we do um, but yeah, it's, it was like, it was a special experience to like show people a little bit of my life here in Durango and, and a big part of that. I mean, the biggest part are, is the people here. I don't know if any, if you live in a place that, uh, uh people want to come visit all the time, which is both good and bad <laughs> I'm learning, but it, it's fun to like show, show people around and like, you kind of like relearn about those connections between like you and like the place and and the people that you're that you're sharing it with so it was it was a fun project well and one of the the strongest ties in the film is to your connection with mentorship in the area mm. and it seems like you know and that's kind of one of the coolest things about this whole frontiers project is you know, we're really trying to identify, you know, what motivates people, what drives people, you know, is that racing? Is that results? Is it, you know, in mm. your case, it seems that the mentorship of getting young female athletes out on the bike is far more important than, than race results. I mean, of course you love racing, but that mentorship and that connection to community and giving back to community seems so important. Is that something that's always been kind of part of your, mm. your psyche growing up? Or is that something that cycling is really allowed you to you know explore and embrace yeah that's a great question I can't like when I you know growing up in Albuquerque I was always like a part of soccer teams and swim teams and track teams and I feel like the the support was always like between myself and like my teammates and so it was all it was all kind of like mutual but I think I learned like the value of supporting each other even through competition because these were like the girls you know you were trying out against at the beginning of the year and then you would form these friendships and it was it was less about like mentorship growing up and more about like learning how to um befriend people within competition and I really think that that has served has served me well <laughs> in the this like individualistic sport of gravel racing and mountain biking and cyclocross I know road is a little bit different like you do have that team aspect but then like pushing that a little a level further when I moved to Durango there's this you know youth program here called Durango Devo and um, I believe they interviewed one of the co-founders Chad 
And he and this other woman, Sarah, started it. And I actually was on a ride last night and ran into the U14 girls. And there's like, it was kind of a crummy day that I had. And I ran into them and these like little tiny girls with like these little tiny legs and little tiny arms and their spandex. And it was like the cutest thing. And they had like these nicknames for each other and they like teased each other and went on this like, I mean, the ride that they were on, like, it, it's like the rockiest, most technical ride. And they were just like bopping along behind us. Like, it was, it was nothing about the ride. It was all about like their friendship with each other. And it was such a nice <laughs> reminder, you know, like how like youthful teenage girls are. It's, and like how funny they're so. They're so funny. And so I guess a long-winded answer to your question is now like living in Durango and having mentorship and coaching super accessible. It's not even like a question. Like it, it is it is such a part of my life here. I love riding with with young people. I love I I don't want to even call it guiding cuz like I know it sounds corny, but like it's it really is mutual, you know? Like you remember why you do the things you do when you ride with young people and then they see you as like oh if I continue this way like this is an example of you know a version that they can be as well so it all goes in a circle right <laughs> yeah well speaking about that you know how do you become a mentor obviously you're you know you've had your own career did you have people to look up to when you were I mean you didn't start cycling until mm -hmm. you went to college but were there people around you that kind of helped you get started yeah, I I mean, it, nothing is formal, of course, you know, like, I didn't like sign up for like, you know, be mentored by so and so. Um, but my start in cycling was at the collegiate level. And, you know, I had, as a freshman, I had girls who were seniors, you know, to look up to and ride with and the ones you know, who kind of stood out for me were the ones that like took the time to teach me how to mountain bike. And then of course, like coaches and just within the community in Durango, like we have such a strong cycling community here that, you know, I was able to find mentors like Ruthie Mathis was like one of the first uh, female coaches that I had. And then Elka Brewstart and like both of those women, I mean, have had serious accomplishments and like the Olympics and world championships as mountain bikers. And, um, and they, they were like, you know, these cool, like older women that, you know, I got to like learn from and like, you know, through the, the good and the bad and Sarah Tesher, you know, running an incredibly successful Devo program while at the same time being this like totally understated athlete um, and leader. And, and I, I think I just kind of like morphed from them and saw like how they were writing, how they were acting, how they, you know, you know, challenged their past and then also how they were just leading because it's like the natural thing to do. And I think that that's kind of what I've fallen into in Durango. Like I truly just enjoy riding with these young women. They're like interesting to me and, they're um, a lot more optimistic than <laughs> older people. <laughs> that's so true. Maybe yeah. that's why. <laughs> well, I mean, when I say older people, like people my age. <laughs> well, and, and that's kind of, you know, 
interesting that you say that because, you know, as a mentor, you're giving these, you know, young gals, someone to look up to as a cyclist, but I'm sure there's so much more to it than that because inevitably some of the people who you know are riding in this, in the Devo team, you know, they might do cycling for a year or two, but they might, you know, eventually move on to something else. But have you ever like consciously thought about what sort of values you're trying to instill in them through cycling, but they, that maybe translate to life in general. I mean, obviously, you know, oh, being an athlete, yeah. the, just the, <laughs> you know, being responsible, being timely, being, you know, showing up prepared and being, you know, it, there's so much you learn from being an athlete that translates yeah. to regular life. Is that something you consider when you're, you know, mentoring? Yeah, I would say I think about that a, a lot more than anything like on the bike skills, you know, like, sure, I'll take like a lap around like a cyclocross course and teach someone how to do a remount on a cross bike or like, show them a technical section that is like 1% of like, you know, the relationship between me and like a younger rider. Most of the time, it's just talking things through with them like that they're going through in their life because no young person wants to hear about like, <laughs> well, what I did, you know, like, I think sometimes that's interesting, but that information is out there. Like they can see what I've done as a bike racer if they wanted to. So a lot of the times I'm just talking to them about like, you know, like maintaining their friendships with people, like being a teenager. Well, especially right now is really challenging. Like I I forget how dramatic everything is. And so a lot of the time it's just listening to the things that they're going through in their life, not associated to cycling at all, like literally at all. And, and then, you know, giving them some advice or like listening, mostly it's listening, actually. <laughs> um, it's just like hearing what they have to say and then asking the right questions and like asking them like what they think is the right thing to do or like what they want to do and who they want to be and how they want to do it. And then occasionally they'll ask like, what do you think? You know? And, and I, I feel like that's kind of the moment that's like that teachable thing of like, well, this is kind of what I would do, <laughs> but like that doesn't really happen as much as like, I think you just want to be heard as a younger person and like and, and then like I try to lead through just the things that I do on my social media in my you know professional life as a cyclist but also as a graphic designer you know it's not formal and I think that that's what they need and and none, none of it is like make sure you're prepared for this race you know like this is how I do this I think they just kind of they learn through like watching you and experience things next to you, I think that's more valuable because I don't know, I'm trying to like remember what it was like to be a teenager and you don't want to listen to anyone. And almost if they say something, you'll do the opposite. <laughs> yeah. So I try to just true. be like a support. And also I'm like, you know, the kids all went on this like camping trip in Moab and I, which is funny to me because I'm like, Oh my God, you weren't there with parents. What? Like that blew my mind. And like, I can only imagine, like, it just made me feel like super old. Cause like, I guess I've done those things, but I was like, oh my God, don't tell me anything. I'm going to have to tell your parents, <laughs> 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 but also like, tell me what happened in case you need support through it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, you know, you clearly continue to to mentor and continue to be involved in the Devo team because, you know, you're giving these young athletes so much. But what does it give you as a as an adult? Mm. I mean, does it bring a fresh 
perspective to life. I mean, you, when you've had a crummy day, like you said, and it's just not, you know, you meet up with these, you know, young riders and they're just having a great time. You're like, oh, wow, life is fun. Like, when did I, be, you know, why did adult, oh, you know, totally. adulthood make me so jaded? Is that something that yeah. is like one of the biggest benefits of it? Oh, for sure. Yeah. And like, you know, through COVID, I think we've all been like a little bit lost. You know, you and I talked about that. How <laughs> It feels like years ago. <laughs> Right. Like when, oh man. But I, I think I was thinking about this yesterday when I was riding with those little tiny girls, they were so cute, but I was like, man, this is so cool that I have time. And like, I'm in Durango this season because usually, you know, we're traveling all around and racing and you do kind of become a little more disconnected with like your home place. I don't, you probably felt like that as a road racer. Like, I mean, you live in a cool place too. Like, I just always felt like, man, to be a successful bike racer, I feel like you have to come from like a place where you don't love. <laughs> Cause then like being on the road all the time is like a little more manageable, but like, I love being in Durango and I like riding with these like kids. Cause it's fun. Like, it's just like, it's just fun. Like you don't think, I mean, I haven't looked at any sort of like training numbers all season. Like I haven't done any, anything structured or hard or anything at all, because it's just been like this natural progression of riding for me, like getting to like stay here and be truly like an integrated part of the cycling community. You know, like I ride with the U19 girls, I'll like join in with the U14 kids. And then I've been coaching the college team as well, which is a super fun mix of like men and women on that on there. And so like, just being here and being a part of the program. I feel like it's it's adding to my life as well because it, it's kind of a stress relief. Like it's giving given me motivation to go and ride, but also like I get to learn. You know, I man, I I feel like I learn new skills from these kids all the time. I'm like, oh, I should know how to wheelie, or like I should have confidence to like do a curb hop because <laughs> like I see these like little fourteen year olds doing it. I'm like, okay, I got, I better practice this. <laughs> <laughs> so like on a skill level and on a life level, I feel like I'm. I'm regaining this connection back to the sport of like why I'm doing it, which is, I mean, Durango Devo has the saying it's, I think it's on the back of all of the jerseys, but it's NFTF, which is never forget the feeling. And I always, I always come back to that. Um, I know even like one of our Devo alumni, Sepp Kuss, mentioned that during the Tour de France this year the NFTF, which is kind of yeah, cool. Yeah, well, he definitely had a, a phenomenal Tour de France. And, <laughs> and, and I mean, I, I spoke with Sepp a couple, well, I guess a couple of weeks ago now at the end of the tour. And yeah, he he is definitely one that has oh, that cool. mentality. Of he's just he's just in the zone. Uh, and in, in the Frontiers film, you mentioned that, you know, you're up riding in the mountains and there's a beautiful shot and you say, you know, it's not about winning. It's about finding there is no finish line. And I think when you're in the mountains exploring, mm, is that something yeah. that's always kind of been part of your riding or is that something maybe even this year without racing happening mm. that's become come more to the front of you know why you get out and ride just oh, that, for like, sure. it's about exploring <laughs> because there is no when you're in those you know rocky mountains there's no finish line because there's always another peak to climb oh totally i mean i think that's kind of like in some ways what saved my trajectory of being a cyclist you know i quit racing cross country and then a couple years later i got a trail bike and did part of my boyfriend's trip from Denver to Durango on the Colorado trail. And I remember it like, that was my first like super big 
day in the mountains, like walking next to my bike. And it was like truly like a really challenging thing for me at the time. Well, still. (laughs) And I just remember like my only experience with mountain biking to that point was racing because I learned how to mountain bike as a, you know, collegiate athlete. And my intro, because all my friends who were mountain bikers were also mountain bike bike racers. Um, it was always racing. And so at that moment where I was like pushing my bike up this stupid mountain (laughs) for hours, hours, I was like, man, this is like the most challenging thing I've done. And no one cares if I finish at all. And it was like this super refreshing, relieving feeling of like, man, I actually really love to like suffer and push myself, but I don't love the pressure necessarily of like, having to finish at a certain time or in front of a certain person and so I feel like that's kind of like this this notion that saved me on like the mountain bike (laughs) or like just cycling in general the like idea that you can actually just go and ride and push yourself and there's no outcome other than like the satisfaction that you've got that you've gained from the journey of it and so I know that sounds corny but it really it really is the thing that like, I will always be a cyclist with or without bike racing. So, I mean, in some ways, like this COVID has challenged that and like reminded me that like, you know, bike racing isn't the reason I'm a cyclist. <laughs> it's just like, you know, part of the fun things that's, you know, associated with cycling for right now. And, and I think that, you know, riding with these kids, like they don't care at all like about the end result of a ride you know a lot of them race and I think they get into that but like you know through the challenges of this summer you know it's how we've all like found human connection again is like back on the bike which I think is kind of like a beautiful a beautiful thing (laughs) well do you think that in in a way I mean just through you know through the last what is it eight months now through like kind of the COVID pandemic and you know people not racing do you think that this is mm-hmm. kind of like the new frontier of what it is to be you're an example of what like the next yeah, level of, of pro rider is you know you started off road i did road <laughs> it's like it's very much you know pretty cut and dry yeah. like you know you either race and you win and you get a new contract or you don't and you know you find something mm. else to do but now there's this whole new opportunity of to define what a pro yeah. you know cyclist is and in you know many cases you would probably identify and i would identify you as you're a professional cyclist but you're not in a professional road team Mm -hmm. you don't necessarily have to win all these races there's so much more to it do you think that that's kind of like the new yeah the new way forward I hope (laughs) I hope so I think people might find themselves a little mentally healthier as professional athletes I mean I don't think the cutthroat world of road racing and mountain bike racing and elite UCI racing is always going to be. And I think that that'll just be like one avenue you can go down versus like what it's been in the past, which is like, that has been the way that you're a professional cyclist, you know? And now I I hope that others can like find a career in, in the same way. I feel super lucky, um, I guess is what I'm trying to say, because like I've found a group of partners that supports kind of my lifestyle and moral values, I guess. And they see the value in that, like you can be a really strong cyclist and and win some things along the way, but it's, it's certainly not the only thing that's important. Like I'm, I'm lucky in that a lot of my con, I well actually don't think any of my contracts have like a, like I have to do 
well at certain races to sign or, you know, to measure my success. Like it's all kind of just (laughs) keep doing what you're doing. Like keep enjoying riding your bike and making others enjoy it too, which is kind of a a beautiful thing. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's one of the beautiful things with cycling today is so many people were just trying to get more people on bikes riding and to experience what we experience. And one of the things I think that you're going to do hopefully next year in 2021, if races return and it's Mm. featured in the film, you have this sweet new mini bus. (laughs) I mean, I've seen it and it, I mean, it, clearly it moves, it drives. Where, where did you, yeah, where did you yeah. pick that up and what's the plan oh with it? Oh my God. Well, yeah. So my partner, Dylan and I, we were like, you know, kind of on the market for a van or something. Like we were looking at minivans and truly we just couldn't afford anything. <laughs> and minivans are really expensive, but they're so cool. Like if you can afford a van, I highly encourage minivans are the shit because <laughs> they get way better gas mileage than like sprinter vans or whatever and they're like so accessible but anyway we couldn't afford that so we found this old I love that you called it a mini bus but yeah we found this like bus on the online garage sale and it was like four thousand dollars so we like drove like 30 minutes away picked it up did like demolition on it and quickly realized that we were like very much out of our comfort zone of like, you know, being able to like restore it and like do a cool build out. We were like, Oh my God, the like floor was totally rusted. Like Dylan would just go in there and like crack a beer and like (laughs) just get like super bummed out. Cause it was like the, I mean, yeah, it was in shambles. And so we found this like really amazing, guy in town, uh, Ryan, who owns this company called Topo Rigs. And he helped us build it out and like did this like beautiful, like build out on the inside, the interior, put a new floor in, which is awesome. Cause you know, there's a floor now <laughs> and, uh, we have like a bed and like, it's, we kind of, um, we did it so we could like, we prioritize like driving friends safely to adventures So we have some seats in there and it's just going to be like this fun little hangout for people. We wanted it to be like the center of, you know, an adventure ride or like a race weekend. You know, we want it to be very inviting and not like I, I, my one goal is for it to not be like the cool guy bus. Like you're not allowed in the cool bus. (laughs) Like it's hopefully going to be the center of a lot of fun things for for us and yeah so we're we're working on like my business partner and I are we've designed a really fun um wrap for the side like that's like this big sticker basically that'll go on there but um yeah we're gonna it does drive which is crazy like it it drives really well and it doesn't get horrible gas mileage it's basically like a van (laughs) like a big square van does it still have the little pop out stop sign on it (laughs) no i was actually it's funny you asked that i was really bummed that the kid that we bought it from it didn't have any of the bus things on there i guess there's like some laws about that though like you you can't have like actual bus accoutrements on there (laughs) to like drive it as like a non-bus driver i was thinking it it could pop out and say like off adventuring or something and you pop that out yeah, when you, that's when you so park <laughs> or like or like coffee stop <laughs> that's it that's it 
Well, Sarah, thank you so much for the time. And for any of you out there listening, go over and check out Sarah's new Frontier film. Sarah, thank you so much. And I hope we get a connect in 2021. We've been I know, my God. talking about it, but um, I would love to come I check out like the I band. I feel like I know you. <laughs> You're welcome anytime we have a spare bedroom, which is the bus. Is there a, is there a name for the bus yet? Oh, no. Hey, well, there we go. If anyone comes up with a name, let me know. Send it over. <laughs> All right, Sarah. Thank you so much. Thank you. Well, there we have it, folks. Another episode of Breakfast with Boz being served by Wahoo. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode and my conversation with Sarah Sturm. If you have not yet seen it, head over to Wahoo's YouTube channel and check out the latest Frontiers film with Sarah. And I'm going to use this opportunity as a shout out for those of you who are in a community or have the ability to be a mentor for young folks trying to get into cycling do it it is incredibly rewarding and it'll bring you a new perspective of why and how we ride bikes so until next week folks stay safe stay healthy and i will catch you all right here next week on breakfast with boz being served by wahoo